down with yeah. it drop. You know it's jiggy when you hear the uh, sound from yeah. town to town yeah. until it's world renowned. Yeah. And I rock New York City all year round. Welcome to another episode of the Path Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm uh, joined here with Tani and Ock, as usual. Good to be back with you, gentlemen. Definitely, as always. Um, uh, just wanted to fill in our listeners. We really apologize for the uh, delay in uh, in our shows from the last one. Um, unfortunately, uh, Tani and myself uh, last week both got uh, kicked with a pretty nasty cold. You can probably actually hear it in my voice just a, just a little bit. Uh, I got a little bit of the raspy still going. And if you thought Nathan and Ock getting together without Tani would have gone a little bit on the tech geeky side, me alone. <laughs> it, it would have it gone pretty far. Just straight bizarre. Um, but thank you all, all the listeners, for hanging with us. Um, and, uh, you know, our normal schedule, just to let you guys know, is we're normally a, a bi-weekly show. We try to do this show every two weeks, although sometimes we do a couple extras if we have some special guests. Um, but anyway, uh, just apologies for that, and uh, thank you for sticking with us, and we're happy to be back with you. Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> so what's going on around the shop? What's been up the past couple of weeks? And actually, uh, what's coming up in the next couple of weeks? We have a, a few, a couple of big events, a few maybe things to talk about here. The first being, maybe we'll go backwards in, in chronology. So on Saturday, February 27th, right here at the Live Oak Shop, from 9 to 3 is the Demo Fair, the Path Bike Shop Demo Fair. We've got confirmed Pivot pivot Bikes. Um, that 429 trail is looks like a smoking bike. Been been riding with Jaron, who, who's built one up, and he's really enjoying that. That's that's our top-selling 29er right now, and for, for now. It looks like uh, for now. <laughs> for now, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've got Rocky Mountain coming in. Uh, Rocky's got some killer bikes, and I actually ride a Rocky Mountain Instinct. It's their 29er. Um, it's 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 a pretty amazing bike. I, I'm really enjoying that. Have been for um, for a while. Uh, so Rocky's coming in. Intense Cycles uh, is coming as well, along with man BMC and Kona. I, so there are a lot of great models in those ranges to try. Man, yeah. that's the truth. And there's a lot a lot of customers are talking about coming. It's going to be a fun day. We're going to have some fun times, and a lot of people are going to ride some really cool bikes on some great trails. Um, don't miss it. That's the 20, Saturday, February 27th, 9 to 3. Uh, we got two, four, we got five uh, confirmed manufacturers represented, a ton of bikes between the three of us. Uh, we've ridden probably bikes from all of that line. And we, it looks like we're going to have a full range of extra race face stuff on hand to, to check out and even purchase if you like. The race face rep is bringing in pr pretty close to the whole line it looks like to come have at, at his tent. Oh, awesome. So, you know, that, I mean, I can't say yet exactly what's coming, but, you know, like different colors of atlas cranks and turbine cranks maybe red blue different lengths and if you've been trying to get and get a hold of some of these race face uh, products uh it's been in uh, a little bit tough to get I a mean, hold of we often have some red race face cranks in stock probably 175 most of the time some blue ones but but to you know to be able to maybe pick a length and a color and 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 a t-shirt and 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 a grip color and a bar color and 
It'll be fun. Yeah. It, it's going to be a fun opportunity to do some cool color customizations. Yeah, just side note, I really love those race face cranks. I think currently right now, all, all three of my mountain bikes have race face cinch cranks. Carbon have, and aluminum, a mix? Uh, I have two sets of Next SL cranks and then one set of uh, turbine cranks. Uh, I got the aluminum ones on my Nomad because I bash the pedals into rocks a lot more on that bike than the other bikes. I recently found out those those carbon race face cranks, the next SLs and the six C's are made in Canada with US carbon. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I didn't definitely. Really know that. North American labor, they, those are not coming out of China. Solid. Yeah, yeah for awesome. sure. Yeah, I've been riding the uh the next SLs as well. Uh, I really enjoy those. I need to get myself some um crank boots to uh to to protect those. I've had the same pair of next SLs on my last three lightweight trail bikes. Actually, I, I'm the same way. So, working backwards in chrono- chronology. Okay, so the next Saturday up is uh, Saturday, February 20th. Who's coming? Santa Cruz Bicycles. Dang. Boom. Boom. That's going to be a big one, too. Man, heck yeah. And there's, um, there's some awesome stuff out there. I think we're probably, we'll save some of that discussion topic for the show. Uh, there's a lot of uh, hype going around, as you can all imagine. Santa Cruz has three really hot models right now, along with you know, the rest of their line, which is really hot, too. That's the truth. <laughs> it's it's just like Hansel. They're so hot right now. <laughs> Santa Cruz, so hot right now. <laughs> Who knows and how many bees they have. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on uh, closest? So, again, that's Saturday, February 20th, again, 9 to 3. Uh, that's at the Live Oak Shop? Correct. At the Live Oak Shop. Uh, show up again. Bring your, as with all demos, bring a license. Um Bring your favorite pedals and um, and a helmet, and away you go. And so if you're under 18, bring a parent to sign off on your on your waiver as well. Um, so what's, what's nearest and dearest uh, going on right now, Tony? Nearest and dearest, oh my. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a few list of topics. I think, uh, Tony, I'll let you kick us off with uh, your topic of choice tonight. Well, we, you know, one more little plug for the path. We it, it's it's you know it's winter time and things are a little a little slow and so we've rounded up all of our remaining 2014 bicycles. There's about I think 13 of them and we have them at half price. Oh man, that is a killer deal. So by the way, you can check out our our final markdown bicycles. That's all we have in our parking lot right now, along with a few demo bikes for sale. www.thepathbikeshop.com. No spaces. Yeah, and, and check on the on the tab. You can see where all the clearance bikes are, so you can actually see um, most of them that are, are uh, listed and available. If you go on to sales on the tab marked sales, uh, you've got both current specials and a clearance tab that'll that'll walk you through. Man, fun I'm, times! I'm looking at them, and th- there's some BMCs going on. Uh, you got the giant bikes. There's a few 2015 bikes in there that are. 40% off. Oh, and, my goodness. And then the 2014 bikes that are on there, which is the pr- the majority of them, are, are a full 50% off. Man, the 2014 Intense 951 Evo Z sell price for 44.55. Yeah, definitely. You know, and if you're thinking about getting a downhill bike for the season, um, now may be a good time to grab one and, and uh, keep it ready run it all season and and have a good time especially if uh you know with snow summit really coming online this year and and mammoth always being great um might might be a good time save a little money 
Oh my goodness! Sorry, one more plug. I, I shouldn't. You know, have... I don't think all these prices are up to date yet on the website. This is too new, Auk. That that forty four fifty. I don't think that's even. So, that bike has an MSRP of sixty three ninety nine. So we know that forty four fifty is not up to date yet. Well, check out the twenty fourteen. Sorry, I shouldn't have opened up the website. <laughs> that, that's okay. <laughs> that twenty fourteen Rocky Mountain Element nine fifty RSL sale price two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a killer price. Well. Check out the website. If there's a bike that interests you, um, call the shop and uh, verify the price. <coughs> awesome. There's a there's a plethora of bikes out there. So so I think I'm going to give my real topic now, which is the thing I've been wanting to talk about the last few shows, but I, I couldn't, and it's the new Santa Cruz Hype Tower. Boom. Boom. Just released this week. What was it? Tuesday went live. Everybody, uh, the world got to find out about it. So... It has two configurations that you can order it from the factory, and um, to get that to get that out of the way, the, it, it can be twenty nine or it can be twenty seven and a half plus, or as my friend Andrew would say, six hundred and fifty bees <laughs> plus some bees. <laughs> it's hard to say how many bees that is. It might be a thousand bees. There's a lot um, of bees. There's a lot of bees in a in a, in a twenty seven and a half plus, <laughs> but and who knows how many bees there are in a twenty nine, but. <laughs> you know, so 650 bees plus configuration, you, you run a 150 fork, and it has a little chip where the shock mounts, and you run it in the high position. The idea being that you need to raise the bike up 10 millimeters to have the same ride height as you would with 29. And right. then you can order it as a 29er, and the debate going on there is, is this a 29er Nomad, or is this the new Tallboy LT? And it's kind of like both and neither. It's, uh, I mean, the, the general design, the rear swing arm design, the suspension design, I mean, obviously all the Santa Cruz's one are getting... One by only. Yeah, one by only, which is more akin to the Nomad than the new 5010 or the Bronson. But either way, it looks like a really ripping bike. Um, and, uh, you know, just one, one little detail I'd like to point out that I caught that I was actually... This is a totally geeky kind of thing, right? So one of the things that I've, I've noticed with carbon fiber bikes that go to a 31.6 seat tube but run a 35 millimeter seat clamp is sometimes the thickness of the material of the frame underneath the seat clamp is kind of thin almost paper thin paper thin mm -hmm. santa cruz i think specs a 36 or 37 millimeter clamp seat post clamp so it's a little bit bigger they they did notice that and they thickened up that area it's a small little speck on the sheet but it just shows those guys know the details they know the details they made one more really departure from the long-standing standard that they have stuck by integrated headset is 52 mm. bottom is 42 top yeah i think and you know it's one less thing pressed into another thing why not mm -hmm. and I, i'm a, i i'm i'm told that it allows for um a lighter stronger carbon construction with less effort because you don't have to have the preloaded surface there that you know yeah. it's under load with a press fit headset and, and just something for those of you that like to buy frames, and, I mean, you know, it's not a big deal if you buy frames. You're used to knocking in cups, but you buy that frame, there's nothing you're pressing into the frame. Threaded bottom bracket, um, uh, IS headset, everything just goes right together. Thread in or, or kind of a slide fit. Yeah, yeah, basically, but you don't need, um, you don't need a headset press right. to, in theory, do it properly, although um, I use a hammer more often than I should. <laughs> you won't need one with those IS-52 and 42 bearings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the bike looks great. The colorways obviously look great. The 
the black colorway looks good. Um, it, it just the red looks good in person too. Yeah, it's 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 different. I like the naming on that too, Sriracha. Sriracha red. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's 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 definitely good. Points there. So all, all the all the design cues from the Bronson N5010 boost boost spacing even longer reach at least on a medium from what I looked at than a Bronson or a 5010. Um, a little shorter chain stays than the Tallboy LT. Lower bottom bracket, much longer reach. So 135 travel on the rear for just yep. to catch up. Yep. And yep. Yep. And then uh, what the one you might have already mentioned this, but 150 fork on the 650B plus or the 275 plus. That's the recommendation. Yeah, and then 140 millimeter on the uh, 29. And I could see running 150 fork on the 29 and then having an extra wheel set. Easy. Yeah. For like sure. Be two but nice little two bikes in one. Yeah. And uh, change over the all. Old Tallboy LT, uh, water bottle in the frame. For when you need more bees. <laughs> yeah. And that's big for Nathan. <laughs> two water bottles <laughs> and a lot of bees. <laughs> two water bottles and a lot of bees. Definitely. Yeah, but, I mean, the bike looks great. I'm, I'm looking forward to throw a wheel over it. I guess um, uh, what you had mentioned earlier is uh, the Santa Cruz demo coming up at the shop. Uh, we'll confirm soon if the high tower will be present. And whether there will be there in the many bees configuration. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Well, Plus and, bees. <laughs> and just as a, um, the Path Bike Shop has these in stock. Correct, they're going fast. Uh, yeah. Gee, guys, if you're, in, if you're in Southern California, you're looking for one of these, uh, you could pedal one around the uh, parking lot and uh, make a purchase and drive it away if you'd like. Yeah, definitely. I would I would not fault anybody for making that that decision in this is, short notice. The bike will not suck. <laughs> so this is going to be a really uh, Santa Cruz-centric show because I think the next topic is Nathan's experience on the Bronson. Oh yeah. So uh, um, one of the one of the questions that has come up, and once again, thank you all the listeners for sending us questions. We do have a running log, and we will will get to them. Um, but one thing that um, came up that we teased a little bit. Um, on the last show, <coughs> excuse me, is um, I demoed a uh, new Bronson. Um, I rode in the San Gabriel's. Um, this is probably almost a month ago now, yeah. um, but took it out for the ride. And um, a lot of listeners were really curious uh, how, how I like that uh, compared to the Nomad that I have. Um, I also, um, before, um, before that, I had a Kona Process 153. And before that, I had a first generation Santa Cruz Bronson. Um, I, I gotta say that that new Bronson, I was really impressed. Um, I rode the new fully boosted one. So it was boost fork, uh, boost in the back, um, uh, right off the bat, just dropping into the trail. Uh, one of the biggest differences I noticed over the Nomad is because the new Bronson, it has the single sided rear triangle. Um, very, very quiet. Um, very little chain slap. Um, the chain stay is very central, right between the chain, the upper chain and the bot, or the up top side of the chain and the bottom side of the chain. Um, that bike is just whispery quiet over rough terrain. Um, re- really cool little benefit of that. Um, the geometry felt fantastic um, for me. I think the reach is four forty-five. Um, I'm used to a. Uh, the process had a 460 reach. I think the Nomad has like a 438 reach. Um, so it's a touch longer than my Nomad. Um, I was actually looking at the geometry pretty closely. 
bottom bracket height almost the same as the Nomad, uh, chain stay length almost the same, and then front center is almost the same. So the Nomad has mm. slightly less reach, but has a slacker head tube angle. So basically, if you measured from your the spindle of the bottom bracket to the front axle, that's almost the same distance. And I think that's an often overlooked important handling number. Yeah, for sure. And um, the trails that I rode this on were tight switchbacks, um, and the bike handled the corners well. Um, very light, by the way. You know, my Nomad's built up a little heavy right now, and I rode the um, the Bronson uh, just off. It was stock. It was an X, uh, CC X01 build, and uh, very light. I, I'm guessing it was 27 and a half, 28 pounds, um, and it just felt really nimble, felt great. Um, tires actually even felt felt pretty good on it. Um, they Minion were, DHR front and rear. Minion DHR front and rear. Yeah, in the in the little bit loamy terrain, I wished they were a little spikier because I'm used to running, say, a Magic Mary in the front. Um, but actually, um, as the day progressed and we kind of got lower on the mountain and more to a sandy-like terrain, mm-hmm. it seemed to hook up just fine. So, you know, it just all depends on the terrain that you run, if tires are great, but there's nothing wrong with those tires at all. Wheels felt good. Everything on that bike felt good. Um, I kind of wished I could cut the bars down a little bit because they come 800 millimeters stock, mm-hmm. and I, I did clip my hand on the side of a side-cut trail. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... I really, really like it when um, brands, especially in the enduro space, spec an 800 millimeter wide bar and let you cut it down to the size that you want. For me, it's like 780. For sure. Did you notice any difference in the feel of the suspension versus your Nomad? Obviously, it's shorter, but more like kind of just the nature of it. It was it was pretty similar. The one thing I would say versus definitely the old Bronson is this felt much more linear. It felt softer in the beginning of the stroke. It seemed to ramp more predictably through the travel. And uh, it, it felt, it did not have that kind of VPP, something's going on in the middle of the travel feel. That echoes my experience. Let less VPP weirdness. Yeah, definitely. Not that that's bad. It can be a good thing. but Yeah, it, and it seemed to climb fine. I, I didn't have any issues uh, climbing it. Um, although I didn't do like a long fire road climb. The, on this particular ride, we climbed a little bit of trail. But then, uh, then we had about an hour and a half, uh, like hike a bike, push a bike, pedal sometimes. So um, didn't get a lot of climbing time on it. But um, all in all, it felt it felt really, really good. Um, really impressed with the bike. It'd be really difficult for me not to recommend that to anybody looking for you know a more aggressive trail bike. Sorry, just to get back to the high tower. Can you believe that the high tower's bottom bracket height for those of us who work in um, uh, caveman uh, is that the term? Barbarian units. Barbarian units. Uh, the bottom bracket on that um, on the high tower is uh, thirteen and a quarter, running in twenty nine and thirteen point two, uh, running in in twenty seven plus. I could see myself running it in the twenty seven plus size with twenty niners on it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely drop it uh, or, uh, a little bit lower. And Actually, that would be, yeah, yeah. And the Bronson is running at about 13.4. It's got a longer travel, so that's still, you know. The ride, okay. The, the sag ride height might be pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. 13.4 well, on sag. Well, I mean, the, the Bronson, uh, you know, when I was riding at the bottom, I did not feel like the bottom bracket was overly high by any means. It felt nice, yeah, long, long sure. slack. But, yeah, Oct, to your point, um, for those interested in, um, you know, or those that, like the 29 
I'm and looking at the numbers and based on how the, the new Santa Cruzes are performing, um, I anticipate the high ball is just good or the high, high tower. tower is going to be an absolute ripper as well. We're getting a lot of phone calls about it and a lot of buzz. It's a lot of buzz. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and just to put it in comparison, I mean, compared to like the, I had mentioned, I'm riding the Rocky Mountain Instinct. That high tower has a. Uh, uh, the chain stays are 17.2 or so. 17.1, yeah. And the 17, yeah, just done, just over 17.1 on the Rocky Mountain Instinct. They're like 17.8. Nice. And that was lower than a lot of the bikes yep. that it was up against when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. I believe the Tallboy LT back in the day might have been 18 and a quarter. Mm, yeah, maybe, it was, yeah, it was pretty long. And that <laughs> was, it's not alone. I mean, we've got four inch travel bikes still in the shop sometimes that are 18 and 18 plus chain stays. Yeah, exactly. And with the longer travel, it's harder to make them short. So, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that 17.1 is getting into the realm of like the, uh, the, the process 111 uh, and the transition bikes that sort of 69. I don't know. How's your spreadsheet looking? Well, what's uh, what's what's the chainstay length in the high tower in millimeters? I can I can I can speak millimeters to you. All right, so in millimeters, Let's they see. have the little handy conversion. They do button it's on uh, the 435. Website. 435. Okay, so a process 111 is 430, and a like a process 153 is 425, and the shortest that I've heard of to date um, is 420 on a 650B. Hmm. <coughs> so, um, I think 435 is totally acceptably exactly. short for a 29. Exactly. Yeah. So on the process 110 or yeah, the the 111. Uh, let's see. That chain stay was 16.9. I think the Hanzo. You're thinking the Hanzo. The Hanzo chain stay is like 16.7. Yeah. Sorry, we can't. I can't yeah, haven't made the transition. I think there's some big ugly brands that have some really short chain stays too. <laughs> but that's the one that um, is shortest in class. But um, yeah, I think. <coughs> excuse me, guys. Um, the uh, the high tower is going to be a great bike. I mean, I, you know, I've been kind of filling you guys in as I've been prepping for Trans Provence, and as of now, I'm pretty pretty convinced I'm going to run the Nomad, but. You know what? If someone said, "Hey, you got to run a high tower," uh, I would be like, "Oh, that'd be sweet. I'd run it with a 154 and 29." But uh, I think it would be pretty cool. Maybe a 650 B's rear tire. Oh, <laughs> nice! <laughs> Many B's in the back. Many B's. Or no, exactly 650 B's in the back. 650 B's exactly. <laughs> not not a B more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. <clears throat> so. Maybe continue on to the Santa Cruz, uh, Santa Cruz thread. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but I had ordered and received a, a Santa Cruz 5010-2. Fully boosted bras. There oh, we man. go. My, my, my 5010 is not fully boosted. It's <laughs> not fully boosted. It's only half boosted. <laughs> it's only boosted in it's, the rear. It's narrow in the front. <laughs> narrow. Wider is better. <laughs> And so I've had a chance. I've had a chance to take it out maybe uh, seven or eight times. Um, and how did it feel to get boosted in both ends? Oh my goodness! It's it's a thrill. <laughs> it's a thrill. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think there might be something to um, man. So many so many observations on this. So I mean, Ock felt like it was stiffer that way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. 
<laughs> he was saying in the before front. the show that it, it seemed stiffer. It it did seem stiffer. There might be something to that. Boosted on, in the front. On both ends. <laughs> on both ends. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, man. So it really is interesting. Uh, and just looking at a, a boosted fork, uh, I think Nathan and I just were commenting in passing. Uh, looking at a boosted fork, it is noticeably wider yeah definitely i noticed that when i rode that bronson like i kind of had this like i don't know i'd almost describe it as like a bulldog feel on the front of the bike you know that fork just feels it's set just a touch wider and you kind of notice it yeah and so what was interesting is i had a chance to borrow tawny's uh, fox 36 fork uh put it on my uh process 153 and take it up to the the san gabe's um, pretty shortly after I had ridden uh, the Process 153 with the standard RockShox Pike fork, uh, both 160. And, you know, the thing after 8,000 feet of descent uh, on that day, uh, I did, I walked away from that thinking, wider is, you know, that the, the 36, in, uh, 36 mil stanchions definitely <coughs> felt stouter. And so what I found was interesting is hopping hopping on to the 5010 with the boosted fork. Uh, it's, a, it's a pike. It's a 130 pike. Um, uh, riding down some, you know, some pretty burly trails here locally. Nothing that got, that got over, you know, maybe seven or eight minutes of, of prolonged downhill. So not super long, not super short. Um, the thing I did notice was I thought that a boosted pike felt nearly as stiff as that 36 did. So, but it's a 130 versus a 160, yeah, and yeah, and so one th- a 130 fork is going to be inherently stiffer than a 160 fork. Yeah, that's true. So right. it's a really not apple. I some, agree with that. There's some apples comparisons problems. <laughs> Don't you dare disparage the 36 yet. <laughs> I'm just saying, I like to... I like to make sure we got all apples if we're talking apples. <laughs> yeah, keep keep all the apples. Thank you. Well, and thank speaking you. speaking of the fork travel though, um, it'd be curious to see, Tawny, You also have a fifty ten. I've had one for a while. Just bumped your fork up to one forty. Ock, you right before our San Gabe's ride. That's another right. common theme here at the <laughs> the, at the show. Gabe's yeah, ride. definitely. Where I flatted a rear tire, tore a bead. Another, something we could talk about maybe later. Wait, you flatted? Oh, I tore a bead on the on my rear tire on El Prieto. Because I was shredding so hard, you know. Tawny was shredding. Uh, Boosted on the rear. Yeah, it was on the rear. And Okay, so this brings up a kind of a sensitive topic, and I don't usually talk about this stuff on the show, but I'm going to do it right now. So I tore a beat on my rear tire, and my immediate assumption was that that was essentially my fault. It never occurred to me to warranty that or or to say that that was a manufacturer defect. It meant to me that I had pushed that tire past its intended use, basically. Fair, fair assumption. I think I would feel I would think the same. I've torn many a tire. So at the path, we really pride ourselves on customer service, and we handle a lot of warranties. People bring. I hate to even say this. This is really shooting myself in the foot. But people bring us warranties on stuff that they didn't buy from us because they know we'll take good care of of it, and we charge a small fee if they didn't buy it from us. But we pride ourselves on going to bat for consumers and for our customers. And recently someone came into the shop with a torn bead on a tire 
and our service writer explained to them that usually that's not covered under warranty, that that's usually not considered a manufacturer defect. And that customer went on to approach the manufacturer directly, and the manufacturer gave that customer a, tire, a oh, new tire, really? which, which is, I would say, good on that manufacturer for taking care of their customer. Um, and I would say that um, it, it kind of served as a reminder to us to always ask and never assume that something wouldn't be covered under warranty. But it's also, we've been denied by that manufacturer many times on torn beads, and it's a little, it stings. I have to say, yeah. that manufacturer, if you, don't, if you do or don't know who you are, and this, it's not just tire, this has happened once or twice with other manufacturers where they deny the warranty to us, and then they honor it with the customer. And my, my message is not don't honor it with the customer, it's just honor it with us too. Definitely, definitely a good point. And, uh, yeah, I can attest, I mean, being um, associated with PATH for a long time, these guys are definitely the best to deal with um, uh, warranties on, for sure. And uh, it, it makes a difference when the guys understand the failure modes of the parts and you can come in and easily explain what happened. And if it's marginal, we'll go to bat for you. And if, it, if it's, if it's um, anywhere near a legitimate manufacturer defect, will really go to bat for you. <coughs> and as a, you know, again, take this with the greatest salt because longtime PATH customer, PATH podcast um, voice. Uh, one thing, <laughs> if the PATH can't get, doesn't get it warrantied for you guys um, or for us, don't give them a hard time. All yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> well, I kind of like it, but gun <laughs> pile on. Yeah. You know, try not to pile on. I'm a, I'm a glutton. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Um, so, anyway, uh, anyway, I just wanted to see if there was anything else you wanted to finish up about your new 5010. And, uh, so I'm going to go on. So maybe this is a segue to another topic. Okay. So <clears throat> one of the things I've noticed is um, riding some of the local, local trails, uh, steeper, chunky, gnarlier trails, sort of back-to-back on my process 153 set up with uh, either the 160 pike or the fox 36 on front and then riding it riding those same trails um, in short order on the 5010 um, the thing that i found was interesting is that the 5010 is just about just about as confidence inspiring as my 153 which I th found myself thinking it's a little bit surprising, but, you know, riding through some of these trails and then maybe hike-a-biking out of the trails uh, yeah. <laughs> with some time to think about it, I thought maybe it's not so surprising because some of the conversations that Nathan and I have been having, and I'm sure Tanya and I have had these conversations too, is, you know, with some of these bikes these days, like the 5010, it's a 67-degree head angle, low-bottom bracket, short chain stays, um, very capable suspension, tires, it maybe isn't so much that the bike is like so much more aggressive on the geometry as much as it is the length of the downhills. Yeah, definitely. And that, I think that's something that's basically, you know, Ak and I have talked a lot about what bike do you get? What, you know, um, and, and that's, that's a real common question of of probably all the listeners and people come into the shop, it's like, 
You know, do I get a so you know, do I get a 130 travel bike? Do I get a 150 travel bike? Do I get a 160 travel bike? And you know, I I think uh, Ak and I were swirling around the same point is how long are your downhills? Mm-hmm. And then the other, there's two pieces of like, because I have a I have a one 130 bike, a 160 bike, and a hardtail, and I could almost ride all of those bikes to an extent on many of the same trails. <clears throat> but two questions I ask myself when I'm picking what bike in my garage I'm going to ride is, how long are the downhills, and do I need to keep up with someone on the climbs? And those those two th- those two questions typically drive me towards making the the bike decision. Um, and I think, uh, especially with the new new crop of shorter travel um, trail bikes being super capable, um, it's really a matter of, you know, I can charge, for example, I can charge my 5010 down a technical trail for three minutes, but you start getting to 10 minutes and I'm wishing I had more. <laughs> so anyway, I guess that that's just what I think Ak was getting at. And I think we wanted to share is those two questions, I think, could help serve you in um in shopping for a new bike too how long are your downhills who do you need to keep up with on the climbs yeah and very much yeah definitely and i think maybe to add on to that once you start getting up you know seven minutes ten minutes on a downhill uh and even some of these you know big mountain type rides you're looking at half hour (laughs) type of sustained easily efforts um it's not so much that um it's it's your grip strength and your grip endurance. Yep. And as your body starts to get tired, your your form your form starts to to, to wane a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but it also takes effort to throw that bigger bike around. You know, I mean That's true. That's a great I, point. I would say it depends on the trail and the rider so much and there's I mean there's I don't feel like a, a, a fifty ten or a process one thirty four or a trance or any of those type of bikes. I like riding those kinds of bikes on longer descents. Um, and it depends on the descent. It depends on how fast and chunky. It, to me, a lot of it's how fast and chunky it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a... W- Versus I think what, how many tight turns there are. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's maybe an inherent... I mean, at the Gabes, I like the 5010. Like, a lot of those trails aren't real... Di- they're not real steep. Yeah, definitely. It, it helps keep momentum. Well, and yeah, basically just to fill the listeners in on kind of what we're discussing is uh, I uh, was able to ride with Tawny maybe about two weeks ago, three weeks ago in the San Gabes. Awesome day. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we caught Quick the... in and out. Yeah, we, we caught the SCOA shuttle, um, which uh, operates out of... Um, on the front side of the San Gabes. Really cool outfit. You should check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's SCOA. Or out- not. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you might get some fun. No, actually, yeah, no. SCOA is fully it's legit. fully legit. It's SCOA. Oh, I, I know. It's kind of one of those, do we really want everyone to know? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no good riding out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you a- go, just be nice to the hikers. Be nice to the hikers and, and remember the hashtag on Instagram, LA sucks for cycling. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, you might get some uh, financial advice too, and uh, uh, hostile takeovers. <laughs> yeah, one of the uh, <coughs> side story. Uh, Ak and I went uh, and caught one of the shuttles um, uh, a couple of months back, and we were waiting. And uh, the driver um, was not the regular driver; he was maybe a contract driver, and he was talking about all sorts of financial investments <laughs> from. 
parking lot investments to stock investments to oh, yeah, what's you happening. You got to get those parking lots. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was awesome. That and laundromats. <laughs> laundromats, everything. And awesome. he was uh, talking to some friend on the phone for, oh man, probably a good 45 minutes as he's waiting for us to load up and we drive up to the base of the mountain and then finally he cuts it off when we get into the mountains. And But it was hilarious. We, we had a good kick out of that. So we were... It was like uh, the Susie Orman behind the wheel of the shuttle vehicle. But um, anyway, I guess um, getting back to what we diverted, diverted, diverted from is that um, when Tawny and I rode in the San Gabes, I rode the Nomad, Tawny rode the 5010, and neither one of us had an edge on each other. We were pushing each other the whole way down. Uh, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I I don't know that I would have been better on a Nomad or worse on a Nomad, but I would say there were times when it de- I could see the, the 5010 working better. I could see that my bike was holding speed on kind of the, some of the traverses and, my, and flatter downhill sections better. And I could see that your bike was holding its line better and some of the chunky high-speed stuff. But, like, I didn't really feel like either bike was a real disadvantage. And I think if it were a lot faster and chunkier, my bike would have been more of a disadvantage. And if there had been a lot more kind of traversy technical stuff that's not – that there, there isn't enough – kind of downgrade to really get a lot of acceleration the 5010 could have been more an advantage and in the really tight turns the 5010 was more of an advantage kind of some of the, some of the really tight stuff on, on, on el prieto and stuff where it's not downhill enough to get your speed back quickly but i really and and i would go too to to the side of yes it's who do you have to keep up with on the climbs and it's also who do you have to keep up with on the downhills um I'll settle the 5010 all day long with a lot of riding crews. And then if I have to, if it's going to be like Jim McNeil and Teague and, and some of the old pe- people I used Sanjay to settle with and Sanjay, the, the 5010, I'm going to need everything I can get. And the 5010 is going to feel really XE. And Just, you can bet those guys are going to have burly bikes too. And, and they can ride the 5010 faster than I can. Yeah. Like, Just to fill you in, those guys are um, basically pro level downhillers. Uh, Local so, pro level. They're not. They're not guys who are going to go win big pro races, but they're guys who are going to represent well among pros. Yeah, very much so. Definitely, they they know to hold how to hold their own. So that yeah, that brings up another point. Is um, you know, I think uh, when when choosing a bike, know your terrain and know your riding buddies. That that's going to be a, a factor in and in yourself the, and yourself. It, know, know what's going to be to me it's what know what's going to be a challenge for you on that ride yeah right. definitely yeah and that's you know it's really interesting that's you know the 5010 brings a lot of this out um you know the other day i was riding with um nathan and um jaron who's riding that uh, 429 trail the pivot pivot 29er he's loving that thing he is and sunjay I tricked him into demoing it <laughs> <laughs> It's it's impressive and Sanjay, uh, let's see what was Sanjay riding. He was riding the. Uh, uh, he had a demo fifty ten. That's right. Um, and we without did, a spare tube. Without that's <laughs> right. Why would he have a spare tube? He's a ninja. Dude got a flat and we had to supply him. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to his credit, he was willing to walk down the last downhill. But we, you know, I had a I had an ultralight. Of course, I'm a weight weenie that he could put into his uh, in his bike, but. But there are some pretty <coughs> decently long, steep uphills that, you know, unless you really want to lean into it, you're going to be, you know, it was a Saturday ride, group of us, and, you know, several of us walked, and one of us rode to the top of the hill. And, <laughs> I and, <remember> that. <laughs> um, and 
so on the 5010 even that day i, I kind of like pushed up the hill it was it was the last big uh, d- uh ascent of the day and the following maybe a couple days later i went back there on the 5010 and and that was the first first climb i did in the morning and was pleasantly surprised how pl- quote pleasant that that climb was uh and so i thought i was thinking about exactly what nathan was saying remember who you're trying to keep up with and where you're trying to keep up with them at so yeah. whether it be the uphill or the downhill um i definitely if i'm going to go out and pedal with some of the faster guys uh in some varied terrain that 5010 is going to be a fantastic fantastic bike uh prolonged downhills um either prolonged downhills thank you nathan uh, prolonged downhills where I might be getting tired or I might need to be keeping up with uh, a little faster faster group of riders, which is generally on the downhills, which is generally quite often, uh, that, that process 153 would be uh, maybe my weapon of choice. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully we gave you, I mean, in talking about the new bikes that we've been playing with, hopefully we give you guys a little bit more insight. Because um, I know I've been, I've been playing with mountain bikes for 20 years and and so is Ock and and you know we both uh go back and forth and back and forth <laughs> about uh oh what bike should I take what bike you know I, I we've even been on text chains with friends being like hey let's go riding Saturday what bike are you taking exactly. I don't know what bike are you taking <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even amongst the friends that have similar uh quivers, riding clipless or flats <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's you run in dual ply tires <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly yeah yeah we've even gone to that point it's like oh are you taking the big tires oh yeah my bike's <laughs> yeah, got the big yeah. tires okay right. i'll bring so the big I'm gonna tires bring those. <laughs> Very so, much so uh yeah and anyway um uh but yeah tons of great new bikes coming out um you know another thing just side note i really enjoy that santa cruz just tosses their bikes out when they're ready because it just kind of like no one's releasing new bikes right now but there's a new bike from santa cruz and it was something really cool to read in the morning when i sat down at my desk and like oh new a new Santa Cruz bike day. New Santa Cruz bike day. Exactly. So, uh, and it's funny. I kind of walk around the office, and you start looking over shoulders, and everybody's checking it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe um, keep checking. Maybe give the path a call here over the next uh, week or so um, to see if they've got that in stock, and if Santa Cruz is going to bring those to the. Well, and we can always log on to the Santa Cruz business to business website and get an estimated ship date on anything you're interested in. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and um, yeah. So uh, and those estimated ship dates are getting longer and longer by the day on high towers. Oh man! Well, I I remember um, <coughs> anecdotally, at least with the Tallboy, when it first released, it was high best selling Santa Cruz bike. So I think time after time, those guys are just releasing bestsellers from from them, and um, you know they they haven't had that Tallboy LT in a while, and I think a lot of people really like that bike and and this is going to be the update for for a lot of people for the tall boy lt and it's, it's going to fill an awesome spot yeah i'm i am thinking about possibly replacing my 5010 with one of those i'm a little undecided oh man oh, wow man. wow man possibly possibly we'll we'll see we'll see i'm i'm uh, holding tight right now and uh Trying to make a careful next decision. However, that bike looks very enticing. Six fifty Bs. I I don't know if I'm gonna go quite that far. I'm gonna have to definitely. I'm I'm typically not one to say that I need a demo one, but I need to try something with those fatty tires. But it'd be interesting. Fatties. <laughs> Wider is. Am I gonna roll the fatty? Oh my gosh, Nathan. <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see. <laughs> 
So awkward segue. I just had this random thought that I've been meaning to share with you Go guys on air. I love it. I have this race fantasy that I want to talk about. Excellent. Like it's a race he- format fantasy. Let's hear it. <clears throat> okay, so picture kind of like uh, downhill skiing, super G, whatever. I don't know. I don't know downhill skiing well enough, but I think you guys kind of get the picture of what I'm talking one, about. One man at a time, all the way down the mountain, hitting turns really fast. Cones on a hillside, burned in turns flat turns maybe a berm or two but no gate start no like major bmx advantage and it's a course that it's cones on a hillside you can see the whole thing it's all about who can negotiate these turns and find the best lines through them and it's not even a trail and it might get one on any bike it might be a a dirt jump bike a hardtail a trail bike an all-mountain bike even a downhill bike i'm starting to think old school dual slalom but keep going yeah (laughs) except really de-emphasize anything bmx-y Okay. Like no rhythms, no pumping, no very little berms, really so, raw horses. Okay. It's all about just it's like flat turns. Interesting. Okay, so I'm thinking because like old school dual slalom, they just put they just put the markers in on a on a hillside, but it was relatively short. So you're saying like old school dual slalom, but whole mountain. Well, maybe mid, maybe middle like a big grassy hillside. Okay. Okay. So kind of like. Sort of dual slalom length, but kind of more drawn out and more drawing out the speed and the turns. And Okay. Carving on a mountain bike? Yeah, some carving, some slashing, and some really, like, awkward, like, how do you find, where's the where's the best apex on this turn, you know, all that kind of thing. Interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning the racers are going to be uh, using spike-style tires on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm m- seeing a lot of big two-wheel drifts and, like... <laughs> Slapping into little burned-in spots. Nice, nice. Okay, <laughs> and the, and the spectators can see the whole thing, and you and you do it at like the local, you know, the local XC race or whatever. And it's a. Uh, are we doing one at a time or mass start? One at a time for sure. One. Okay. This time. is one at a time, down the hillside. I'm thinking this sounds like mountain. Roll bike. in, not a gate start, like a roll in. Okay. Like really trying to eliminate the BMX advantage, not because we don't like those guys, but because we want to make this fun for everybody. Definitely. Okay, I'm 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 thinking this is like sounds like mountain bike giant slalom. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and maybe you could even uh, make the start times a little closer together. I think it would be really spectator friendly, and I think the racers would have just a bl- like. I know I would really have a fun time racing that. Okay, so I'm seeing mountain bike giant slalom with a cyclocross <laughs> style crowd <laughs> with beers and cowbells. And all sorts of things. Very close to the track. Larissa Fella can can lead the uh, the cheering session. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, exactly. definitely, exactly. Yeah, that's nice. That sounds like a lot of fun. Where? Well, oh man, where would we do that? This would I'm <laughs> Big Bear all the way. This needs to be at the Crafts and Cranks event. Or on so, a hillside at Irvine Lake. I mean, it, it definitely. Oh, oh yeah. that's right. That's right. right. Okay, so we have two two venues that we're reaching out to. If you're listening, because we know everybody listens to our show. So. The promoters at Big Bear, please, Giant Slalom at your Crafts and Cranks event, or over the Hump Racers, we need to have a new class, and it's going to be Giant Slalom at Irvine Lake Tuesday nights. Not so Giant Slalom. <laughs> the kids will love it. The old people will love it. The middle age, the middle people will love it. It'll be awesome. I would love it. Everybody's going to stop watching the cross-country race and just watch the shenanigans on the it'd grassy hill. A- it would be after the cross-country race, maybe. Ah, definitely. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe on a different night. I, I don't know. I kind of agree with Ock, though, to keep the spacing tight. So I want to see almost three or four races. Like, not enough to overcome anybody, 
But right, three almost. racers on car, just a constant flow of racers just constantly. Right, at least till the finals. Yeah, definitely. You could see like different lines, different oh, yeah. lines, I think different di- wipeouts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see it, you know, definitely someone starting before the next And hopefully there's a finishes. big enduro in Orange County soon, too. I'm I'm hoping, man. I, I keep hoping that uh, at some there's point. There's rumors. Speaking of rumors, we might have another here. Hero of ours on the show soon. Teaser. Oh, definitely. Oh, man. Yes, so, we big are. Big hero. Maybe sooner than later. Maybe sooner than later. Yeah. So uh, don't want to don't want to uh, overstep or overshoot. But uh, no, no. There are there are a couple of things that could go wrong with this scheduling. But uh, it's uh, if not, def- we'll just act like it didn't happen and get a different hero. Yes, right. th- this is true. But uh, uh, on that, w- we definitely once again appreciate all the listeners, and we hope you're enjoying the guests and. Um, uh, you know, I would say email us and ask for guests, but we only have access to so many people. We're, you know, we're 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 tapping out our resources pretty quickly with this show to keep you I just all entertained. Say, this, is, this isn't the guest that we may or may not have soon. But on a different note, I, I recently did a favor for Mr. Jeff Lenoski. So we're working that angle too, Mr. Jeff Lenoski. You, you, you know, you're coming on our show. Definitely awesome. Well, that that will be uh, that will be fun. But uh, yeah, hopefully this weekend we'll find out if we happen to catch our uh, potential new guests on a uh, flyby, if you will, on a stop by, a different giant rider, different giant rider, or if any of you listeners out there happen to know someone that would be interested in coming over as a special guest, shoot us an email as well and say, hey, I think this person might be worth uh, getting in touch with. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> we, we, it couldn't hurt. Next time I'm sitting in a hot tub with them, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. And you know what, just a, just another side note, as we were uh, hanging around the shop before the uh, this show started, um, we have now given the official name, when you walk by a bike, and you give the brake lever a squeeze, you're giving it the old PK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For oh, those of yeah. you that listened to our last show, that's giving the bike the PK. <laughs> give it the old PK. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I do that now, <laughs> I'm thinking the old PK. You know what's funny? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a little bit of a humiliating story right now. All right. So after I got that flat, we put a tube in that tire on the trail. Yeah. And I want to say the new NV60s are a little bit easier to take the tire off than the old ones. Oh, still sucked, but it didn't suck as badly (laughs) as badly. So anyway, back back at the homestead, I'm getting my tire set back up tubeless, and I put a Minion DHR on the rear to replace that that Ardent. But uh, so you know, I've got my rear wheel off. Gave my bike the old PK squeeze right there. (laughs) Wheel off. Oh no! No, You know, no big deal. Just had to push the pistons back, but you know. Party little, foul. Little, little, little minor party rookie foul. move. Talk so, about it to you folks. So I guess just to remind our listeners, there is a time and a place to give the PK. Not when your wheel's out. <laughs> that's right. Don't squeeze the brake lever when your wheel's out. No, no, definitely. <laughs> that's I, uh, that's when I thought of the PK, PK squeeze last. <laughs> it's the PK squeeze. So how, 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 do, how do those, uh, those uh, M60s work out for you? So far, so good. No, no issues. Yeah, they didn't seem to be holding you back at the games, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I've been running those ARC-24. I think it's the ARC-24s that come on the 5010. So been running those, been enjoying them, but also been – I'm always intrigued with uh, carbon wheels. I kind of like the feel of them, but, uh, man, it's like a love-hate relationship. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, there's – the carbon wheels, you know, it's uh, – I think here's here's the common – discussion i have with friends and maybe you guys can comment if you have the same thing is like it just depends 
how hard you are on the wheels and what you want out of the wheels. But the reality is when you crack, <coughs> excuse me, there's a lot of good aluminum rims out there, but when you, when you bend an aluminum rim, sometimes that impact would have cracked a carbon rim. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the impact that would have cracked a good carbon rim smashed the crap out of your aluminum rim. Yeah. More, more than a minor dent, more than a like, like you're going to have loose spokes. Like flat spotting. Like you're probably going to still want to replace that aluminum rim. And I also want to say Envy is pretty generous within four years on their re- replacements. I've had that experience. Um, what I would consider to be um, abuse and not a manufacturer defect, I have facilitated a free warranty on it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say Envy's going to do that every time, but they're pretty generous. Yeah, definitely. Well, and and um, I guess it's just something to consider that. Um, and I've ha- I haven't cracked an Envy rim personally. I have cracked other carbon rims I have. once in a while. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, have, I will say every aluminum rim I've ever known had more than more than three dents on it by the time <laughs> I was done with it. Definitely, every not, single one. Not surprising. So, but I think that that that's a really good exa- illustration of how there is this range where it would have dent made a light dent on an aluminum rim, done nothing to a carbon rim, and I think when it would have done something to a carbon rim, it it probably would have really flat spotted your aluminum. Yeah, definitely. And I guess... With the exception of just the right impact angle or sharp edge or whatever, Mm -hmm. maybe. Right, definitely. But um, I guess one of the things I just wanted to point out is it's something to consider is how... I guess how hard are you on wheels? And that will kind of maybe dictate your replacement frequency or, you know, (coughs) if you crack that... um, Crack a carbon rim. It sounds like envy. And and this is a story I've actually heard from multiple people, including guys, I mean, just discussing things at Transprovence. I hear way less stories of cracked envy rims than the other brands, which everything else comes out of Asia in some form or another. Um, so uh, anyway, just something to consider. The envies are more expensive, but I hear way less guys having issues with them. Um, I saw... At least, you know, a bunch of guys running Envy rims in Trans-Provence didn't see any cracked ones. However, I saw two riders with um, Other Asian brand. carbon rims. And there's some and person they... out there going, I've cracked four Envy rims and I've never cracked a Chinese carbon rim. And you know what? Anecdotal, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> all, all anecdotal. We're, but We're um... anecdotal and you're anecdotal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I guess maybe to, to chime in on Nathan's point is if you're going to have any form of carbon rims, just realize, you know, whether it be Envy or or otherwise, if it's Envy and the crash replacement ends up being six hundred dollars, hey, just be just be ready to pay that six hundred dollars because there's no guarantee that Envy's gonna gonna warranty, and you just have to be ready. It's the it's the it's the price of entry, right? I mean, it's the yeah, definitely. You own expensive stuff. It's expensive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Expensive stuff is expensive when you break it, and, and sometimes if, you're gonna. And break a lot it. of times, manufacturers will help you out. And sometimes you're outside of that range. And it doesn't mean that that manufacturer is screwing you over or the bike shop is screwing you over. It's just, hey, it's it's part of the price of entry. So exactly. And sometimes sometimes you just break your toys and you got to replace them. <laughs> but I guess what I'm uh, what I'm getting at is there's a lot of people who um, really go back and forth. But I gotta say, man, the stiffness of those carbon wheels and and once again, I you know. 
side note to one of the other shows on the network, they talk, you know, I think Just Riding Along talks about carbon wheels a lot in the context of cross-country racing, okay, and stiffness and hardtails and things like that. We, we tend to focus on trail on up, trail, enduro, downhill. Um, I got to say, for that bike, with bikes with ample travel, carbon wheels, man, when they're working, oh my gosh, you can they're fucking amazing. rail on those things. They're awesome. They're really, really, really cool. So um, I, I've never gotten that feeling like, oh, they're too stiff or they beat you up or anything like that. You know, when you get a bunch of travel, nice stiff wheels are rad. For sure. And something a lot of people don't talk about is that's unsprung weight. Yeah, definitely. So so to those who are not familiar with this concept, the idea is your suspension's moving up and down, back and forth, back and forth, and the more weight that's moving with it, if you imagine holding that weight in your hand and moving it back and forth, you can picture it resisting the change in direction, and your, and your suspension literally moves f- more freely if your tires, wheels, cassette, rear derailleur are lighter, your rear suspension will move more freely. That's what keeps bringing me back to carbon. The carbon yeah. wheels, I mean, I've ridden them in, in Moab really hard on the local trails, really hard on some long down local local trails as well. <coughs> exploded a couple of them. Uh, maybe not exploded, but cracked them hard enough. Um, thankfully, they held their air to, till I got back to the trailhead. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, I've, I've well, replaced... That's thing. It's really rare to see a full carbon failure. That's very true. So even yeah. if you do... like, and It's loud, too. That shotgun blast of... <laughs> yeah. Hawk and I nicknamed it shotgunning a carbon rim. Oh, when you crack gosh. one, you shotgun it. It's almost <laughs> worth it. It's like one of those camping pranks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but amazingly, I think it's been... I probably shotgun blasted three or four uh, carbon rims. Wow! <laughs> I've never done it. Oh man! It's, I, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've heard of it, and and I've kind of heard a rim come apart in the shop before under weird duress. Yeah, it was about to. Oh boy! But in all of them, I've always made it back to the trailhead, uh, and even riding, you know, I mean, more carefully, obviously after that happens, um, but made it back to the trailhead, no problem. Man. Yeah, and well, it, and. And just one of the things, you know, going back to that, I guess, like, for example, on my trail bike, I have carbon wheels. On my Nomad, which, once again, that the main focus I have for that Nomad is getting it ready for Trans-Provence this summer. It's got aluminum DT471 rims on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a consideration. I'm prepping that bike for multi-day races, or a multi-day race. And um, that may be a consideration is... You know, if I dent those aluminum rims, I'm going to feel fine running mm-hmm. it for the rest exactly. of the week. But if I crack a carbon rim, say, on the second day of that race, I would I would be kind of in a pickle. I'd be really uncomfortable continuing to run it for the multi-day race. But for my 5010, which I, I run no problem at small local enduro races, no problem at all running the carbon rims. Because if something happens, it's really only a day and I can get it fixed. Um but um, the aluminum rim, it's its just a consideration for that multi-day race situation. Yeah. Right or wrong, I think I would trust the comp. The, and it depends on the compromise for sure. But right or wrong, I think I would tr- trust a compromised carbon rim as much as a similarly compromised aluminum rim. And it's tough to quanti- quantify what mm-hmm. similarly yeah. compromised yeah. means yeah. in this case. But absolutely, absolutely. But like I said, you know, last year, the, the guys sponsored by Envy had no problems. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm really trying to say is 
a carbon rim that has a clear crack in it and seems to be holding together, I trust that just as much as an aluminum rim that has a nice dent in it and seems to be holding together and like maybe a minorly loose spoke, which we see all the time. And I've ridden many mm -hmm. miles on rims like that. Yeah, definitely. And I guess anecdotally to support that, the carbon, the rear carbon rim that I cracked, it took me a while to get a replacement. I continued to ride it cracked, actually put another crack in it in another location. Yeah. Yeah. It did hold together. However, um, a coworker of mine at the time who used to work in the carbon fiber industry, I showed it to him. He's like, yeah, I might want to get that fixed. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, and both situations are ultimately taking a chance. Yes, yes exactly. absolutely. A dented, car a dented uh, cracked carbon, uh, dented aluminum rim, the same thing. Yeah, One definitely. thing I wanted to toss in here is if you're thinking that like a similarly um, aggressive carbon rim uh, say like a like on the EX uh, the 471 that Nathan mentioned on the DT uh, Swiss rim, it's a 30 mil uh, 30 millimeter out outer width and a 25 millimeter inner width. There's a new DT 481 that has yet to materialize that I think is 30 inner by the way now, which I think is modeled after the 471. That is very cool. Very excited about that. Well, and and here's the thing is that all right, that 471, it weighs. 500 grams it's mm -hmm. not the lightest thing in the world definitely but if you're going to get a comparable um enduro uh, uh carbon rim you're not going to be saving a huge huge amount of weight just on the rim itself yes it's going to be mm, 60 or 70 grams lighter maybe um and it is going to be that unsprung weight but it's a lot of it is that stiffness um, I think this, aspect of it. To me, the biggest wow factor is. The, so is let's the talk about where the stiffness is, stiffness is important. It's it's important in corners where the wheel isn't deflecting. Yes. It's important in the rear wheel where you're getting less kind of deflection and wind up under acceleration. Um, I I feel like it, the big part is that that lateral stiffness because the rim itself is so much stiffer. So the entire rim is it's distributing. Um, the force throughout most of the more of the spokes at any given time, giving I think the wheel an overall stiffer feel. So I think a lot of people are like, "Well, what does it matter if the rim is stiffer? Does it make the wheel stiffer?" Yes, it does because mm -hmm. it transmits the force throughout the entire rim, more spokes at a given time. So crisper acceleration. Yep, crisp. Uh, more accurate steering. Yes. Uh, more predictable cornering. More predictable in le hard lean over situations. Yes. And just be willing to pay just be willing to pay for that replacement. Like yeah. realize it might happen and you know It's not the only thing on your bike you could smash into a rock and have it cost you six or eight hundred dollars. <laughs> if you true. if you have a bike that has those ribs on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's 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 be realistic. If you're playing the carbon wheel game, um you're uh this is not a. You're not on a budget. <laughs> you, you might got a, You might have a three hundred dollar, three hundred and fifty dollar uh, cassette and a three hundred dollar derailleur that might get crushed in any given ride. Yep, exactly. Or a two hundred dollar artisanal pack that could be torn in the crash. Oh, yes, that is very <laughs> true. Very very true. So um, uh, anyway, that's a. I I don't know. I just remember Nathan uh, and Ock have some really nice backpacks, <laughs> riding packs. Yes, we, really we, nice. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> we're we're like girls in purses. I mean, I, I'd tell you how much they cost or something, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> but we would also counter with the uh, the the character 
the quality of make, uh, functionality, styling, styling. I, I I definitely oddly find myself feeling more prideful wearing it. Whenever I go riding in L.A., I don't know what it is. I feel like whenever we go ride in the L.A. mountains, I need to be a little bit more stylish. I don't know what it is. This is very strange. That I dog don't... knew not to pee on your wheel. He peed on my wheel. <laughs> my normal camelback wheel. That dog was probably like, I probably shouldn't pee on that guy's wheel. Look at that guy's pack. <laughs> I will say this. So there are... <coughs> at least a couple I forgive th- you, dog. <laughs> at least a couple times, <clears throat> I have seen um, local writers here in in the OC uh, riding with it with said artisanal pack. Yep. Um, what kind of pack you guys got? Okay, well we'll we'll talk about it just because we don't sell it at the path. We'll plug in anyway. It, it <laughs> it's, it's fancy. It's because we're we're super ritzy. So it's the Acre Supply packs. I think uh, a lot of writers know about them. Um, they are by far the stupidest most expensive packs on the market but they're just cool they are cool and that is true they are the stupidest most expensive packs on the market <laughs> and they're waterproof which is really important for us in southern california and right they have those, we just like, ride folded around. over waterproof top things yeah definitely it has <laughs> it has that like dry pack style top to it. it has a vertical zipper on the front um but you feel artistically superior it comes with a tool roll it has a very nice tool roll that's right that's right it has a side zipper pocket for the uh ah yes for the ipod screams this man supports the arts (laughs) (laughs) well and and, you know when last time we were up in the games we we dropped by and um i think uh, acre supply has a a boutique on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, <laughs> it gives you the it's the whole freaking. It's experience. not a boutique, something else. It's a boutique, a boutique, boutique, not a boutique bike shop or no, a boutique, no. boutique record. It's a boutique, boutique. It's it a, boutique, is a boutique, 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 fully, fully boutique. It is, and, and uh, anyway, boutique front and rear. <laughs> <laughs> so, I still wear it and use them, and um, I'm very ashamed to pay say how much i paid for them <laughs> so anyways yeah so they are quite expensive probably mm, i'll say at a couple hundred bucks thereabouts <laughs> about a With... bike, bike mechanic salary right there it, it, <laughs> it is um no ep on those we're buying them from the boutique we are buying them from the boutique <clears throat> so acre supply if you hear this and you want to send us some maybe to, <laughs> to, to test out as expensive as your stuff is it is really cool and your marketing is awesome it is cool um I think Nathan might be riding uh, the Acre Pack at Transprovence. Probably, I'll. Pro- you know, I, I got to show up with some style, man. Well, got you know it. what, and that actually does say, say a lot because, um, <laughs> as much as I might ride it for for style, and it is cool and it is functional, uh, one of the true tests is: will this piece of gear make it to the Transprovence? Ah, uh, that's right. That's right. I will. I, so when the race comes around, I, I will. Uh, I will disclose a full, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a, a full list of all the equipment that actually goes. Is it Provence worthy? Is it Provence worthy? TP worthy. <laughs> uh, TP worthy. <laughs> and that that goes a really long way. And so, um, if it's not TP worthy, it it'll get left behind. Trail, yeah. trail money. Yep. And so, it might be actually worth that. <laughs> I'm sorry for the stream of consciousness, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said it once. I can't say it again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But so, uh, um, you know, we we it, they are cool packs. Um, 
the the path bike shop does carry a lot of really cool packs osprey uh, camelback and uh yes uh, much much higher value packs <laughs> <laughs> that are that are just as functional and awesome prices and um come with bladders and, and but the it, fanny pack is back as well fanny pack is uh, back enduro, i mean pack. it's pretty enduro it's it, it is ultimately enduro enduro so i will say this so on the on the topic of fanny packs so one of the fanny packs I see out there is the Decine. I don't know which model it is. It's, they have a small one and a big one. It's the small one that I see out there. Okay. Yep. The Hot Lap. It has a, a water bottle holder. Mm-hmm. A single sweet. a single water bottle. Yeah, I haven't holder. washed a water bottle out of that water bottle bottle holder yet. And so nice. and it has a, a nice it's either one and a half or two inch belt on it. So uh, Osprey, I've been running an Osprey pack uh, for hiking for a long time. A little fanny pack. And Osprey has some really cool um, technology about cinching down the load in in the pack itself. But the one thing that I actually made a modification to on the the Osprey fanny pack was I I replaced the little one inch uh, one inch uh, clip belt with a, a two inch uh, belt, and so making that move definitely makes it more enduro certified. Definitely. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I, I personally use my, um, old moto enduro fanny pack. I, I raced a desert moto, um, for about, uh, four or five years. <coughs> so that particular pack and I went through a lot together so that that one has turned into my mountain bike <laughs> fanny pack just because we've shared so many, uh, uh, very rough situations of, I don't know if I'm going to finish this race. So we, we, we shared some time. Solid real enduros fanny pack love it definitely well uh guys i i think we've had a pretty sweet show so far um this ah, sweet show sweet show it. It, kind of a typical show for us we we're getting back to our roots uh no gas no uh real defined uh, schedule or anything but uh is there anything else you guys want to bring up for today bikes are sweet i love it love the bike you ride man i can't get wait to get up back out on the trail uh, we've had a little bit of rain here in the past couple of weeks and uh, it actually rained for like two days. Uh, I know it was torrential downpour. Stormwatch 2016. El Nino. <laughs> we you guys survived. think El Nino is going to be a bust? Is it real? Is it coming? It's, 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 I don't know. February, next... March. No, you know what? So <coughs> this weekend we're supposed to have Nostra Ock will speak now. <laughs> yeah, Nostra, Nostra Ock. Uh, so I actually work in the water industry. <laughs> <laughs> this Help. man is an expert. <laughs> Um, actually, so where we, where California, uh, r- not really needs the water, but, but a substantial amount of our water supplies comes from the mountains in central to northern California. And, uh, we are above average. We're at like 120 to 100 and, uh, probably somewhere between 115 to 130% on the snowpack. Sweet. Which is, which is amazing to say. Great news. Yeah. So it, it really is. So while, while All right, we. guys, water your lawns. <laughs> Why do your lawn? So, just kidding. Well, here in Southern California, we're getting uh, some mild rains, which are making the trails amazing. Um, in in Central California, Northern California, all the snowpack water content look, is looking great. So uh, my there, blueberries are in bloom. So there you go, guys. Take you know what you are. Stop listening to CNN. Stop listening to all this crap news out there that's trying to fear you. We have the real source here. Ak is an expert, and Ak says, relax. We're getting out of the drought. It's going to be okay. 
Go ride your bike. I don't know if I quite said that we're getting out of the drought. I didn't say that, but go ride your bike, definitely. Go ride, go ride your, your bike. bike. <laughs> the, the drought be dinged. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Tony. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Excellent. I'm glad we could get back together again. Same. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yep, I hope you enjoy my more radio-friendly voice now. Um, but, yeah, once again, uh, don't forget to send us your questions to sales at thepathbikeshop.com. Um, participate in our Instagram uh, hashtag hashtag the path podcast uh, throw your pictures up there um, throw a question on your picture if you want whatever check out the pictures that we've posted up there and see some of our adventures and everything um, but uh, thank you all for listening and and uh, keep listening and we'll um, have some new guests and and we will continue to have uh, good topics for you so uh, thank you all for listening have a good night good night yeah. Yeah. Town to town, yeah. it's a world renowned. Yeah. And I rock New York City 